on the roof She asked, ain't anybody told you That them things are bad for you You know, you're in the position that you're in now And man, it's like you still rep West Virginia Through and through every single day Like, what about being from West Virginia And, you know, your background Like, why do you embrace being from West Virginia More than, you know, maybe like uh, A lot of other people at the level that you're at Well, I mean, I, I just I mean, I love it. I love growing up there. I loved everything about it. And uh, just, you know, I'm proud, proud to be from there. And yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I try to bring it up as often as I can. And I sometimes like underneath my Philly shirt, when I announce, I'll have on a, like something about West Virginia, West Virginia socks. Yeah. uh, You know, with the 304 and the state of West Virginia on it. And, uh, you know, last year, uh, the uh, the guy that runs the Phillies team store wanted me to design a hat. And so I I thought a camel hat and, you know, on the P for the Phillies, it was uh, like a it, it was still camel or army green collar. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it had the Phillies P, but it had stars and stripes. And on the back, it had uh, like a little picture of the state of West Virginia on it. Uh, oh wow yeah yeah uh and i you know i i sent some hats to the davison brothers uh who are like my brothers and uh uh colton from restless road is from west virginia so i sent them hats and uh just like i said i'm just proud to be from there and happy and uh you know look i, I took a lot of jokes you know from players and stuff just but it was fun it was like, you know, I, I'll accept joking from people I know, but when other people I don't know start saying something bad about West Virginia, yeah. just like when they say something bad about Phillies fans, I kind of snap at them a little bit, but they yeah. deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was, I've always, I've, I've kind of taken a similar position. Well, first of all, fellow West Virginians were allowed to joke about West Virginia, but then if you're, if you start someone from else like, oh, West Virginia, then instantly we kind of all snap into like, well, wait a second. Like it's, it's not quite what you're saying. Maybe did you find yourself you know, throughout your career, airports, teams, different stuff? Did you kind of find yourself always in that like semi ambassador role for the state and kind of almost like defending it and communicating about it? Was it very present throughout your whole career or just maybe later when people kind of found out where you're from? No, you know, it started. Well, it started in when I was in the minor leagues with players. Like, because I, I, I think I was the only guy in the Padres minor league system that was from West Virginia. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, so I took some heat, but like, I, you know, you guys know, uh, you know, when you're a, a traveling or you're, you know, like I was in Reno one year and Vegas for a couple of years in yep. Texas, you know, people always say, where are you from? And you say, West Virginia. Oh, how are you from, how far are you from Richmond? Yeah. I'm yeah. like, oh dear God, it's a different yeah. state. You know, and they, they, they say I'm stupid because I don't know, like, any states or any capitals yeah. of states and i like I, I said but all i need to know is this west virginia charleston that's all i need to know about uh but but i actually have a shirt that i wear uh and it says uh uh west virginia separate from virginia since 1863 i wear that <laughs> shirt a lot that's pretty good just oh yeah just so people don't ask questions and yeah you know 
Yeah, it but, is goofy, man. People still, I don't know how, like we know there's a North and South Dakota, there's a North yeah, and South Carolina, South Carolina, but for some yeah. reason, Come on, man. some reason West Virginia yeah. just stumps people. Like, and we're like the most famous separation state during the Civil like, It was like <laughs> constitutional amendment, you know? Exactly. And that, that's what, that's, what's beautiful. It's like when you try to explain this to people, they still don't get it, but yeah. Uh, and they think we're dumb. I'm like, come on, yeah. man, you are. Yeah. Brush you up are. on your history here. Yeah. I have to, apparently they missed that that class they skipped out on that class when it happened yeah that's funny the the shit talk that you've gotten from like grow your time in the minor leagues to maybe even now and it's probably just it's light-hearted for the most part i'm sure but like has it changed or is it like always been like that for like since you started playing baseball to now commentating on baseball are people still like making the same jokes about west virginia to you no not no no they they understand how much i love the the state and how much, uh, you know, how, like I said, how proud I am to, to be from West Virginia. I, you know, most of my family's back there. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, as a matter of fact, in what month are we in? The July. first, first okay. week is, oh gosh, it's, it's awful. <laughs> uh, the first, uh, first week of September, I, I go back, I go back every year to Kaiser and play golf with my buddies. And it's fun because like you know, next thing you know, where we got, you know, 10 or 15 guys that I grew up with and, and, uh, you know, we're sitting on the back porch and they're like, you know, I live in Florida now and mm -hmm. sitting on the back porch can get a little heated, you know, it's kind of warm down there, but, you know, just sitting on the back porch and looking at the mountains and, you know, it's just, I just, I, I wait, I, matter of fact, I wake up like four o'clock every morning just to sit out and watch the sun come up and, you know, over the mountains. And it's like, like, it's, it's something you take for granted living there, uh, you know, mm -hmm. living there basically your whole life. And, and uh, you know, I try to take full advantage of that. And then, you know, I have people, non-West Virginia friends of mine, hey, send me a picture of the mountain, send me a picture. You send the picture, like, oh my God, it's beautiful there. I say, yeah. Keep ripping it. Keep joking about it, you morons. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's, That's often the case, man. And then people come yeah. here for the first time. They fall in love with it. You, you, yeah. you run yeah. into so many scenarios of people. When I lived in D.C. for a while, people, you know, inevitably it's going to come up, West Virginia or something. And then people are like, oh, yeah, they treat it as their kind of like little mountain getaway. And then maybe they had different opinions of it before. But then once you spend some time on the ground, you're like, damn, this place is pretty nice. Yeah. Like, and maybe they end up coming back and coming back. Yeah, it, it, the thing I like about it is because uh, last year I couldn't go back because I had some like help things going on. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, I, I I had no like people from Philadelphia, like our director, our producer, they, they whenever they go somewhere, if they drive through West Virginia, they always stop <laughs> just to see, you know, they said, you know, the roads are a little windy, but man, it's beautiful go out, driving through those mountains. I said. I say, yeah, welcome to our world. You yeah. know, that's, mm -hmm. that's what we fell in love with for being, you know, I, to me, it never gets old. I'm, yeah. you know, I, I remember as a kid, you know, with three older brothers, you know, right across uh, Route 220, you know, you, there's a little wooden bridge. We used to walk over on at New Creek and walk over New Creek and climb the mountain. And I remember, I wish I could still do it, but I feel like, God, I'd never make it. Uh, probably rolled down the other way and end up in the in New Creek, but uh, I, there was a, there was a bit on top of this mountain. There was like probably about maybe an acre 
and it was just the greenest grass I've ever seen. And, and, you know, we used to go up there and climb up on that mountain and just, I just lay there on the, in that grass and, uh, you know, look at the, you know, look at the mountains and the view. And, you know, it's like, you can look down and see, see Kaiser. And, um, you know, I, I, it was, like I said, I, I would have to get helicopter dropped in now because I couldn't <laughs> climb that mountain anymore. But uh, man, I, I was, it's just such, such, so beautiful sights. And I, I, I think, I think the thing to me is like, I don't think even people who still live there, like my buddy, I don't think they ever take those views for granted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's a, you wake up and yeah, nothing like a warm cup of coffee to go like just looking out in the morning. It's like, it's a, a calmness comes over you and it like, there's something like, um, who some song, maybe like your blood pressure somebody, maybe I guess on the podcast towards so they cross the state line, they come back into the state, their blood pressure drops. It does have like some sort of like, just, I don't know, just calming effect or serenity about the mountains, um, being from the state that it's, it's kind of hard to describe until you're out there, uh, in amongst it. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's funny because whenever I drive back there, you know, it's, you know, driving through Philly, uh, you know, that could be kind of nuts, uh, you know, but then you get on the PA turnpike, I get off at the Bedford exit and drive down 220, and it's just like you're still like, you know, grabbing the wheel like it's, you know, like you're a NASCAR driver, you know, getting ready to crash, and uh but man, as soon as I start going over the bridge of the Potomac River and it has, mm -hmm. you know, welcome to West Virginia, welcome to Kaiser, it just like comes over you, like how relaxed you are and how, uh, you know, just peaceful it is to me. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I, I look forward to it every year. Yeah. How have you been able to mix some of your memories of West Virginia, maybe some of the stories that you had growing up playing in West Virginia. And then how have you been able to mix that into your commentary with the Phillies now? Because I know people have mentioned several times that, you know, Hey, you're telling West Virginia stories on a Philly Phillies broadcast. Sometimes maybe it's just because you're super relatable, but how have you been able to mix some of like your childhood stories and, and connect West Virginia to a Phillies broadcast? Cause that's gotta be an art form a little bit. Well, it, it, you know, before they started this pitch clock and everything, the games lasted a long time. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, you know, look, if, if, if the Phillies aren't winning, and, you know, it's, it's not like it's planned. It's not like rehearsed. It just comes out. Yeah. And, you know, because, you know, let's be honest, the Phillies are losing by a lot. Of the, there's not a whole lot to talk about. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, so, you know, I just start bringing, it'll just come in my head and come out of my mouth and just start telling stories about West Virginia. And, and um, uh, yeah, the great thing is, is Tom McCarthy's our play-by-play -play guy. Mm -hmm. And, and he, he has no idea what, what I'm going to say. None. Cause it's not like I tell him beforehand. It's just, and sometimes it just comes out of my mouth and then I get a reaction from him like, oh, my God. And then I hear, you know, in my ear thing, the uh, headphones or whatever, the producer's like, OK, where's this going? Just follow along. <laughs> have you been I mean, able to how, how have you almost been able to get away with that? Because in this day and age where everything is like everything is held we all hold a magnifying glass over everything pretty much like 
how have you been able to kind of like dance this line of being funny, entertaining, but never going too far? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, uh, that's like, like the radio guys will tell me that, you know, you're, you're like, you're like Teflon and nothing. Yeah. <laughs> they never say anything to you for some of the things you say on air. And I said, well, you know, it's not like I'm saying anything bad. I, you know, it's just, uh, like I said, it's just, and, and I, I think on, on Twitter, when I start telling stories about growing up in West Virginia and being from West Virginia and stuff, um, you know, I get on Twitter, like 99% of the comments are, are, you know, oh my God, keep telling stories. They're fun and funny and blah, 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 blah. We feel like we're no, we know you better now because you relate your stories about growing up. And, and, uh, and then there's always that one idiot, you know, it's like, Hey, focus on the game. I'm like, all right, well, it's 10 to one. The Phillies are losing. What the hell you, and what the hell you want me to focus on? I, <laughs> Uh, more more of an ass beating or, yeah you know. <laughs> i think people yeah i think people crave authenticity in a world that's usually like you said the world that is often so scripted politicians yeah, yeah, like things yeah. like everything feels buttoned up when someone brings like a hey this is just me and i'm here and i'm giving you my honest take and i think people like you know whatever kind of version of authenticity that is they they crave it um but let me ask you something john because i'm actually i live out here in westchester so i'm not too far from downtown philly myself um and i've got a buddy who um is from downtown philadelphia and we had this conversation i want to get your opinion on this because you 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 can kind of can be on both sides maybe we were relating west virginia sports culture and philadelphia sports culture and we were talking about kind of always embracing maybe the underdog mentality the chip on the shoulder mentality and how that can serve you as an athlete it can serve you as a fan base it certainly can give you motivation but then he was sharing as a Phil, as a downtown Philly guy that he sometimes thinks it's like, it's too much. And it's almost like we're like, they hang on too much of like the underdog Philly. You're like the underdog chip on the shoulder mentality, more so speaking about like the football, not necessarily maybe baseball, but, and I think also sometimes I feel like that too with West Virginia sports that like, if we always like the, like I said, it's motivating, it's a good frame for sports, but then if it's too much, it's it's almost like we're not letting that maybe that identity go. And maybe there's some drawbacks to that. I mean, do you see any kind of similarities between West Virginia sports and Philly sports and, you know, good or bad? But I just wanted to kind of present that kind of convo we had because we had this like about a month and a half ago. And it's been um, now that I live over here, it's like it's kind of just been on my mind as well. Yeah, well, I I watch, uh, you know, and if I, if I have the opportunity to watch, uh, you know, WVU football, uh WVU basketball and uh you know I'm texting back and forth with my buddies from West Virginia like oh my god how'd he miss that shot oh god that guy was wide open you know and but to me it's the passion you know yeah. uh, you know you see it when you're watching games and especially if they win and they sing country roads at the end oh my god like how do you not like that and uh you know I you know that's what people ask me a lot that you know how can you live in in a city and, uh, you know, a big city like Philadelphia and still, you know, understand where you came from. And I said, because, uh, you know, it's where I came from is never going to leave me. It's, you know, that's that's just what it is in life. And but that's why I love both fan bases, because they are passionate and mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, that that. Uh, yeah. And I guess there is some of that, uh, you know, us against the world. I know the Phillies last year felt that way going into the postseason because they were the third wild card team and 
they right. they they kind of like you know everyone says they snuck in the back door whatever but you know and but that's how uh you know i talked to some of the football players the eagles players and they talk about the fans the passion uh you know we had two players that signed in the offseason as free agents and the reason they signed in philly was because um you know, they watched the playoffs in the World Series last year and they saw the passion of the fans and they wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I like I said, when I watch WVU games, especially when they're playing at home, uh, it's just it reminds me of Philadelphia, their passion. And, uh, you know, we don't have a, a mountaineer running around with the with the muzzle loader, but uh, I'm sure some people wanted to bring a lo- muzzle loader in when I was playing there, too. So, uh, but but uh you know, that's the thing to me. It's, it's, uh, you know, I, I never, I never thought like being from West Virginia was ever going to be a drawback to me trying to get to the big leagues when I was in the minor leagues. And honestly, I think it helped me, uh, because, uh, you know, like I said, it, it's, you can be relaxed and, you know, I keep, I tell players all the time, kids, you know, if, if you're not relaxed playing and you're all tight and tense, you ain't going to be able to play like up to your capabilities. And I think that coming from West Virginia, that, that helped me a lot. Uh, Just knowing I get, you know, the relax, I knew how to relax because, you know, look, if it rained outside when I was a kid, we still had to go outside and play. My mom didn't want, she didn't want four boys in the house breaking (laughs) crap, you know? So we had to leave the house. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, it is. Um, Maybe it feels like it, it's sorry, CJ, but maybe it feels like it's um maybe those fan bases like you think of like the Steelers, the Phillies, West Virginia sports. It feels like the teams are more so an extension of the culture and the people maybe than other sure. teams. Like, I don't know if the Miami Dolphins, I don't know if you would say that like the, the way they play represents like my like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But it feels like some teams in cities kind of their fan base and their culture and people feel synonymous. So maybe it's like, it's easy for like, you know, you can feel that passion. Guys want to yeah. go play probably for the Buffalo Bills because it's not a huge market team, but it's kind of like, yeah, like it, but it kind of has become one because it almost feels like you can go up there and you feel like you're playing for those 60,000 people that are in the crowd. So maybe that is like the parallel between those two cultures, maybe. Yeah, I think so without question. And, uh, you know, I, I, I go out like, uh, you know, people say, you know, like I, I'll, I'll give you an example. I was grocery shopping in New Jersey and I had a guy approach me and he said, what, what are you doing here? I said, uh, I mean, I think it was pretty obvious what I was doing. I had a shopping <laughs> cart, and, uh, you know, filled with groceries. And he said, he said, you don't have someone that shops for you. <laughs> and I'm like, I look at him like, well, why would I do that? Yeah. Like, Actually, we can do it ourselves. Why do why would we want you know someone else to do it for us? And I think that's the that's a mentality of West Virginia, you know, because you know a lot of times you you know you you can't get someone to come up and fix your hot water heater and stuff like that. And I had a, I always had a buddy of mine uh, that that could fix it. He he knew how to fix a microwave, but didn't know how to work it. Uh, figure that out, but. Uh, you know, and he's the same way with the phone. He just got an iPhone. It's been uh, a tutorial for him to try to uh, figure out how to text and receive text and answer text. But, I, you know, I just thought it was the simple, simpler way of life. But, you know, you 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 never had people shopping for you or, you know, yeah. coming to your house, with, you know, clothes and say, you know, try this on. Do you like the 
and oh, you just do it yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that we're kind of touching on like the this West Virginia mentality and how it maybe helped you during your career, especially in the minor leagues. Do you think that's why there are so many successful athletes and coaches from West Virginia? I mean, it doesn't matter. Pick a sport, at least maybe of the main major sports. And somebody from West Virginia is in one of the top elite positions. I mean, you know, again, baseball, football, basketball, it doesn't yeah. matter. Pick your sport. But there's a West Virginian who's worked their way up to the top. And do you think, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Like West Virginia well, being so small, it, it's got major, major athletes and coaches that are in Hall of Fames for what they yeah. did. Yeah, I I mean, I, I give you an example of Nick Saban. You yeah. know, Nick, Nick grew up in Fairmont, right? And, um, you know, when you watch him do interviews, mm-hmm. that's West Virginia. Yeah. Calm, relaxed, quiet, you know, just answer your questions honestly. And, but man, when you watch him on the sideline, you see that, that, competitiveness that passion you know and I think that was helpful to me because like uh, uh, you know you play we played you know 162 games a year and you know a lot of those times you had to speak to the media afterwards but like when you're playing you know you want to annihilate the other team and but when the game's over you know you had to do interviews so you know you had that calmness about you know, they ask you a question, you answer it honestly. And I remember when I, the day I got traded to the Phillies, the, the uh, guy that was the president of the team uh, came down to me and he said, listen, he said, you know, this is different than playing in San Diego. You know, uh, this fan base, you can't lie to them. So, uh, <laughs> so well, I, I wasn't planning on it anyway. And, <laughs> you know, I and I think that's what endeared me to a lot of Philly fans is my brutal honesty but yeah you know we were taught that at a young age you know my dad was you know don't you know you know back then they could still spank you in the 60s and 70s so you know he said you better never lie to me boy and uh, you know as I got as well as I got older you know I you know in my 30s I'm in my 30s you know I go play golf with my buddies back there and have a couple beers in there my go stop in and visit my mom and she's like you drank a couple beers didn't you and i'm like oh dear lord yeah but i'm <laughs> but i am but i am 30 yeah. it's legal <laughs> yeah i have like i have a mortgage i have a mustache i'm a grown man yeah. i pay my yeah. bills mom i pay my bills i can drink a and, beer and, too <laughs> and, and i had a wicked mullet going in too so she didn't yeah, like that did. oh my yeah. gosh she hated that hair she called me every day when are you gonna cut that shit <laughs> when are you gonna cut that shit uh, like uh, i like well i would but some of my teammates told me i can't because they think it's good luck so i said yeah am i gonna please my teammates or yeah. piss you off i said i'm yeah. gonna piss you off because i gotta spend every day with these guys <laughs> do that's you great. think that that's like the attitude that almost propelled you you had success on the field but then a lot of success off the field too. People wanted to be around you. They gravitated towards you naturally. Is it just because you're like open and honest and kind of carefree? I mean, you were on late night shows, you know, you were, people kind of maybe pointed fingers and laughed at you a little bit, but it was all lighthearted. People loved you when you were a player, still love you now. Do you think that's because you're just like wow. so easygoing? Well, I, I think, I mean, I had the, mentality like I think I was 19 or 20 when I got when I signed with the Padres 
And, um, you know, I just had that, you know, mentality of, uh, you know, I, I, I haven't worked. Yeah. I haven't worked a day in my life since I left, you know, since I got drafted. Because you're just playing baseball. Now, now I get, like, I, I, it's funny because when I leave to go do a game and I tell my wife and kids, like, okay, I'm going to work. <laughs> They'd start laughing at you at work. You sit there and talk about baseball. How tough is that? <laughs> and, I, and it really is true. I mean, you know, I, I Larry Anderson and I, Larry Anderson was a teammate of mine. Um, he does a radio for the Phillies and like we joke about it all the time about, you know, we haven't worked a day in our lives since I said, I worked harder as a kid growing up than I did now. You know, yeah. you know we had to, my mom's garden where I wasn't allowed to hit a baseball in. Uh, so I had to figure out a way to hit the ball the other way or else she'd kill me. Um, you know, that was like almost every Saturday we had to go hoe her garden and, you know, pick, pick tomatoes or corn or whatever was, you know, ripe and ready to go. And then we used to go down to this guy's farm, Keswick farm and, um, pick strawberries when we were kids and they get, you know, the green things you put them in a little green plastic thing. We would get a dime for every one we filled up. And, uh, then my, one of my brothers and I, we worked in the morning at, a uh, a paper shop, a card store in Kaiser. And, you know, it was tough because like we go somewhere to play, you know, basketball or baseball. Like we go to, you know, uh, Martinsburg, Jefferson County, uh, you know, play them in, in basketball in the sectionals or whatever. You know, we get back at like one or two in the morning and, you know, we were up at four thirty, five o'clock going to the store. We had to open it up before class started, uh, before school started. We had to open, mop the floor, uh, you know, make sure all the papers are put together because it'd be a Washington Post. Oh, they come in sections. They didn't come one piece like, oh, man, like, you know, some people back there might not have got like the comic section one day because I might have just uh, You're a little omitted. Tired. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah, we had to sweep. We had to, if it snowed, we had to shovel. Um, you know, it's, but, you know, it taught you that, you know, moving forward. It, I tell you what helped me. So after I played in rookie ball in Walla Walla, first time I've ever been on a plane. And I mean, I was scared to death. I mean, it was awful. And, um, uh, so, uh, you know, I, when I got, I, I couldn't hit that, but I was overmatched because I've never played against that type of competition. And, um, so I came home, I told my dad, I said, I, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I, I might just quit and, you know, get a job, whatever. He said, yeah, okay, that's fine. Well, you know, I got, uh, you know, that next morning he woke me up at like six 30. And I'm like, what, what are you, what are you doing? And I said, why'd you wake me up at six 30? He said, you, you, you're not going to sit on your ass all day. He said, get up, get up. We're go you're going to work with me. And then I went there and I was cutting the grass and the, you know, where he worked in a bottle factory in Kaiser and I was cutting grass and weed eat, weed whacking and, and you know, all that stuff. And I'm like, man, this sucks. <laughs> this really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so I went in at lunch to have lunch with my dad. And I said, I'm going home. He said, the hell you are. I said, no. I said, I got to learn how to hit. Yeah. <laughs> and so I figured out how to hit Yeah. again. Like I had to rethink everything because it was so bad. 
And then the next day I leave for spring training thinking, you know, if I don't have an out, uh, unbelievable spring, they're going to send me home. And I did, I had a great spring and they kept me. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was ready to phone it in and I, I didn't think I could compete with those guys. And, uh, then, then, you know, everything turned around, but I will tell you that I do get reminded once a year, cause every year there's like a poll comes out, like most famous baseball players in West Virginia from West Virginia. And I get this text message every year when this list comes out from George Brett and George said, just remember one thing, no matter what, you're always going to be number two. <laughs> Which, George, I said, come on, George, you, you, you were born there, I, you know, and then you moved away. I said, we, do we really consider you a West Virginian? But you know what he tells me? He tells me, he said, well, I, I consider myself one. Uh, and, that, and he only lived there for like a year, I think. He was born there and then they moved. But uh, yeah, he, he, he sends that not so subtle reminder every year. Yeah. Another, do you have a relationship with um, the Maz, Mazeroski? Do you, did you get to know Bill very well? Yeah. A wheeling yeah, guy? He, did he rep West but, Virginia? Like you. Yeah, he, he used to come up to uh, Potomac State every year and do a baseball clinic. Gotcha. And uh, so I got to meet him there. Uh, yeah, he used to come, come in every year, but I never got asked to do it. <laughs> it was funny, but uh, no, I used to go up there and see see uh, see Bill and talk to him. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, he was just, I mean, yeah, he was proud. Well, first of all, we were proud Polish so we descent. had that, yeah. We had that in common, and then we had West Virginia in common. So, uh, yeah. So we, uh, you know, we did have a lot to talk about. Yeah, you got along nicely. Do you think that we, the the stories that you tell here, it's it's funny. It's like you know, if you didn't play baseball, you just go work at the bottle factory, you know. But now it's like sports is taken so much more seriously. I, I, it feels like it's taken too serious sometimes. Like, you know, everybody, they've got the best equipment, the best doctors, these great lifestyles. I know that you've been quoted as saying like, uh, you didn't used to lift weights. You used to lift pitchers of beer, you know, but now it's a little different. Like, oh, do you think that, do you think that sports is almost taken too seriously? Sometimes it's like, everybody just needs to chill out, relax. This is still a game. This isn't life or death. Yeah. I, I tell kids that all the time. And, uh, you know, a lot of them don't want to believe you, you yeah. know, you know, Hey, if my parents are going to pay a hundred dollars an hour for me to go to this hitting guru, you know, I better be good. Uh, someone came out with something the other day that, uh, uh, there's been like 70 or not 70, like 26, 27,000 major league baseball players from the start of baseball back in the late 1800s to now. Wow. And they said it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't fill up uh, the stadium in Cleveland uh, where the guardians play. Wow. And, but, but, and that's what I try to tell kid. Like, like I, I was lucky and I know I was lucky. Um, you know, I never had a plan B, you know, I went to Potomac state, um, you know, then I had to go to another junior college because the dean decided that, uh, you know, he didn't like sports and we had to win. We lost in our regional championship at Potomac State. And um, we ended up winning 75 percent of our games. Wow. But the but the dean put a thing in where. Uh, uh, 
you had we had to win 76 percent so they they no more baseball potomac state so there was a time when there was no baseball and so people ask me all the time why didn't you go to wvu i wanted to you know i wanted to go after my freshman year at potomac state uh but the coach at the time we played them in the fall we played them in the spring and we handled them really easily they weren't any good (laughs) well no but i mean we you know we had i don't know how many but we had a bunch of guys on our junior college team that were getting drafted but we all wanted to go to wvu and represent our state you know and and uh you know when i was told that uh, i think i was just turned 19 that uh i had reached this is what the coach told our coach he said well that that he's reached his peak he's not going to get any better and we don't think he competed at the division one level. Wow. So I'm like, well, screw it. I'll just sign and go play professional baseball. <laughs> see how that works out. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, and I will tell you this, I held a grudge against WVU for the longest time. And it wasn't yeah. for my buddies and Kaiser talking me off the ledge. So now I cheer for it, man. I know the Davidson brothers perform, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, uh, when, the, when the football team comes out, it's their song. And uh, and they they were like, come on, man, you know, yeah, you got to drop it. You can't hold this grudge against WVU. I didn't have a grudge against West Virginia. I had a grudge against WVU because that's where I wanted to go to college, and they said I wasn't good enough. But yeah. then, as I got older, I realized, you know, maybe they did me a favor. Yeah, you know, sure. maybe maybe you know, if I would have went there, maybe things would have turned out differently for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you know, it all worked out. So now now I, you know, I love. WVU I love watching play and like I said it keeps me in tune with my buddies back home you know you know like I said we watch the games together even though we're in different states and you know text message each other during the whole game basketball and you know, we still um, are amazed how poorly the basketball team shoots the basketball and that's like a common theme with that team they had who was that stevenson stevenson could shoot but man other than that it was like wow what are we yeah what the field boards you like you it's like an emotional roller coaster like i I, some comment to my dad my dad went to wvu in like the 80s so like you know like he's been obviously you know through many many decades of teams and whatnot he goes yeah just like i said something like man to be in wvu fans hard because it's just they take you on such an emotional ride but he's like yeah welcome try like 40 years of it yeah i you know i think the team that i I thought had a chance was when major Harris was a quarterback at WVU. Yeah. And I, and didn't they play in the national championship game yeah. that year or a game that would have decided the national championship yeah, game? They, they played Notre Dame and, and yeah. what would have been, the, uh, what was the championship game? Yeah. And he got hurt. Well, third play started, of the game. That started a big uh, issue with uh, one of my dear friends, Leo Mazzoni. Uh, Leo was the pitching coach for the Braves when, you know, Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz and all those guys were coming through. And Leo lived in uh, uh, just in Rawlings, Maryland, just over the bridge. And so I would go every Saturday. We watch Notre Dame football with Leo. <laughs> and um, and when WVU played Notre Dame, he's a huge Notre Dame fan. Wow. Huge. Yeah. huge. And that, uh, like, I thought that was going to cause friendship, Dan. But <laughs> thank, thank goodness it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was nice, nice to see him when you go to Atlanta, seeing someone that is not far from where you grew up, you know, even though he's in Maryland, which, you know, that's that's a whole nother issue between 
you know, the border of Maryland and <laughs> yeah. the border of West Virginia. <laughs> sure. That's ugly. Yeah, for sure. That's funny. It is, going back to the thing, you said only 27,000 professional baseball players. That is, that is like in, in the history of the league. So, I mean, such a small fraction of people make it to the pros. Do you think now, maybe, like you said, I think CJ alluded to maybe your kind of stance on it. Like now sports with youth sports, like I grew up, I played like basketball, soccer, track. Like you kind of, you were a multi-sport yeah. athlete in, in different ways they helped you. But it seems like now it's like, you know, if you're like 12 years old, you're almost like specializing in a certain position, maybe for baseball. I mean, and you're traveling and you know tens of thousands of dollars going to games and you think that's like overkill maybe and that's like yeah or like the current state of baseball youth baseball professional baseball do you think it's in a good place is it are we off track a little bit have we maybe like overemphasized like the sport maybe at such a young age do you worry that kids are you know i mean maybe sometimes it's scenarios where the parents want it more than the kid wants it you definitely yeah. hear those those travel teams where it's like the, the dad wishes he was a major leaguer so he's gonna try his ass off to make sure Vicariously his son is like living but yeah but that not might that might not be a good thing like what's maybe what's your opinion on the current state of the the game i guess i used to think kids play too much yeah. uh, you know look i played football up until 10th grade um and that that caused a whole fiasco in our house my dad didn't speak to me for two weeks when i told him because i was supposed to be the, the quarterback mm. uh, as a sophomore um you know for the varsity and uh you know I, the coach brought me up a playbook footballs to throw and run pass patterns but my brother was good, probably going to be the tight end and so you know we were running and i just like I, I didn't know how to tell my dad i didn't want to play no more but when i told him he didn't speak to me for the longest time you know uh, you know our basketball team was going to be good and you know and i played baseball just to play baseball but you know, people are amazed. Like I went, uh, at, at every college offer I got from, you know, Fairmont State, Glenville, uh, you know, Alderson Broadus, all my, all the uh, teams that were recruiting me, I got recruited for basketball and baseball wow. was an afterthought. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and you know, I just played baseball to have fun. You know, yeah. it wasn't. I didn't never took it like, you know. You know, I have to make it. I have to make it. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't see how these kids can relax and enjoy it. Yeah. But you know, you know, this is what I know, uh, what observe from watching kids come up through little league, and then you know, hopefully some of them get into college and play. The thing I notice is, 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 uh, you know, they play year round, which is stupid. Um, you know, the parents are paying a boatload of money for instruction that it might not be good instruction, but. You know, everyone thinks, well, oh, he's the hitting guru. I'm like, oh, God, a guru. That's what you need. You need a guru with you. But, uh, you know, I, I just think when kids are playing every weekend and travel for a championship, right, uh, Where how can they relax and enjoy it? Yeah. You know, I, I had a practice one day because I coached softball, and we had so much more fun as coaches and, and the team when we sucked, mm -hmm. you know, but, but, but we had girls that wanted to compete and they just wanted to be out there to represent the school, you know, and then, then all of a sudden, cause we were a private school. Then all of a sudden we had like girls come in or, you know, softball only travel ball. It was, it was miserable, absolutely miserable to go there almost, you know, every day to coach them. 
because, you know, the parents were, you know, involved, you know, she has to throw X amount of pitches every day. She has to take X amount of swings every day. I'm like, Oh my God. So one day I had a practice and I just told him, I said, pick up teams and go play. Just have fun and go play. We just want to watch, see if you learn anything from our practices. And they had a blast. Mm-hmm. But the parents, some some of the parents got pissed because it wasn't an organized practice. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I'm like, I like, you know, I said, you know, and I think this is what's going on. And when you see a player in the big leagues who's like plays with great instincts, you have to look and see well, how much travel ball did he play? Yeah, because you know, if you're told what to do, how to hold your hands, where to put your feet, how to, you know. You know, what you do with your bat, your bat angle, your swing plane or whatever, you know, if you're being told all that and then you go out on the field and you're told where to play, you know, move this way, go that way. There's no instincts anymore. And, and, that, and that's what's bothersome to me is, you know, these kids in, or not, and, and literally through through college, they're told what to do. Yeah, they don't they don't play the game with instincts because I remember playing Moorfield and there's they had a shortstop Holly Martin Holly was a really good player uh he got drafted by the Dodgers um and you know I remember because I used to hit like a lot of line drives in between short and third and it was the first time I ever seen anyone shift and he would play in that hole and I like hit a ball and he'd be standing there I'm like huh this is this sucks but so I asked him one day and I said, how did you know to move? He said, well, because you hit the ball there all the time. What yeah. was I going to do? <laughs> yeah. You know what? Play, play regular shortstop, just watch balls go by me. Yeah. And I said, okay. <laughs> so then I had to figure out a way to combat that. And, um, you know, I think that's what's missing in, in sports now is kids don't play with instincts they, because they're, they're not allowed. Yeah. They're playing the, that, that's like a, that's a, I mean, I'm a golf nut too. And there's a, a theory like you're, I'm not, I'm not doing golf swing. I'm playing golf. And there's someone that just the little nuance difference there is I'm not like on the range, you know, trying to fit every single position of my arm and this and like, but if you go out and play, that's, that's someone that's just golfing their ball. They're just playing golf. It's more of a, a natural state. And that nuance, I think, yeah, is lost. Like kids, like the repetition, the technical analysis of everything. Like if you're 12 years old, you, and you're playing a sport or you're 14, you probably shouldn't be on video watching this, trying to get into a position. Like you probably should just play. Like you said, just play yeah. more of it. And yeah. I think that probably well, translates across all sports. Maybe. Well, I'll give you a good example on just playing athletically. Uh, so I was playing in a charity golf event, event with uh, it was a senior tour at the time. And uh, you know, I'm on the range hitting balls. And then I thought, well, you know, I'm going to, you know, you get there so early, I'm like, okay, I got to waste time doing something. I can't just stand here. So I decided to go to the green and I was chipping. Some guy was telling me, you know, no idea who this guy was, no clue. And he said, you know, when you chip, you're too handsy. You know, you got to almost chip like you're putting, you know, stiff wrists and stiff air. I'm like, well, what the hell would I want to do that for? And uh, so the guy walks off. Ironically, I played with that guy and he probably would have shot 130 if we had kept his score, <laughs> you know, and he's given me, but yeah. I remember, I remember turning around and walking to pick up my balls that I chipped. And I heard a guy behind me said, he said, if I'd have had a dime for every time someone told me I was too handsy, 
He said, I'd be richer than I am now. And I turned around, it was Arnold Palmer. Oh my and, gosh. What? And Arnold, Arnold Palmer, he looked at me, he said, look, you're an athlete. He said, you hit. He said, I watch you hit, you hit with your hands. So he said, why not use those hands in golf? So now I chip, I'm real handsy when I chip. And I, I think I'm a pretty good chipper of the ball now because you know, I had Arnold Palmer tell me, yeah, it's okay, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I argue. Yeah, Arnold Palmer's yeah. telling you it's good. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit! It's like golf, golf, golf. Jesus whispering story. down to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this guy was a pain in the ass too. I, I've got. We were playing with. I was ended up playing with Tom Kite. So his major league baseball alumni and senior tour did a thing every year in Sarasota. And uh, oh, this guy was telling Tom Kite. Tom Kite's one of majors. I mean. Yeah, he's a great golfer. And this guy's, you know, uh, Tom, it looked like you snoop, supinated on that. It looked like you pronated. And I'm like, oh, dear God, leave the poor man alone. <laughs> so I remember walking up the fairway and I kind of like edged Tom Kite to the side. And I said, you want me to say something? This guy, he's wearing you out, man. And he goes, no, nah. I said, you know, no, no, he's such a nice man. He said, no, he said, you know, you know we, we play in these pro ants. Sometimes we kind of expect guys to give us advice and whatever and you know we listen to it and we're very polite about it i said man i said i don't know how you do it but if you want me to say something i'll be happy to tell the guy and so i thought you know the next hole he started again with pronating supinating which i don't know what the hell he's talking about and i don't think tom kite did either because <laughs> it's tom kite why would you tell him that so i remember pushing the guy to the side walking up a fairway and i with some bad language, I said, look, you're in the process of shooting about 120. And this man is nice enough to help us read putts for us, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, you know, he's just out here trying to learn the course and, you know, how the greens are rolling and everything. I said, he, he really doesn't need your advice because you suck at golf. <laughs> and, uh, oh, man, I, and, and there were some other choice words in there, but I mean, I... And his buddies even asked me, said, what did you say to him to get him to shut up? We've been trying that for years. I said, well, and I didn't threaten him, but he probably could have took it that way. <laughs> you put it to him politely. Uh, yeah. Not so lightly. No, it, <laughs> it was a one-sided conversation with the gentleman. <laughs> oh, shit. That's awesome. Sometimes, sometimes you need a man. But it's, I think, it, like, yeah, like we're saying, it's a true phenomenon across all sports. It, you can take it serious, but it's also like, I don't know, like almost ironically, the less serious kind of in that manner you take it. And that's not to say that you don't show up, you don't have work ethic, you don't care. But like, of course, you have those things. But there's just that little subtle nuance, I think, of playing it instead of just like doing like you're not, you know, I'm not coming here just to swing a bat. Like I'm coming here yeah. to play baseball. That's a big yeah. difference. And that's yeah. a good lesson. Well, maybe people are listening. Yeah. And I learned when I got to the big leagues. Uh, you know, because Tony Gwynn and I were uh, roommates in the minor leagues. And I remember getting to the big leagues and, you know, they, they built this room for Tony right outside of our clubhouse. So he can do all his video stuff and everything. And I, I didn't know what was in there, but I used to see him walking through this door all the time. So I finally went up to him. I said, man, what? I said, what the heck are you doing in there? Hey, I didn't know what to, I didn't know what he was doing. He could have been watching a movie for all I know or meditating. I don't know if people do that now or not, but uh, he goes, come here. I got some stuff I want to show you. And I'm like, oh man, this could be really good. Uh, then I get up there and I see me on the screen 
And I'm like, oh, this ain't good then. If he's called me in this, this can't be. And I was struggling. And, uh, you know, he just showed me video. He said, look what your hip's doing. Look what this. It's the first time I've ever watched my swing. And, uh, you know, I, then I started realizing, well, well dang, that's, that ain't a good swing. I got a lot of a lot of things going wrong here. and But it was just seeing my swing, and that that's the only – teaching I ever got with the swing yeah. was watching Tony or listening to Tony talk to me about it. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's like watch a video of my swing. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, wow. Yeah. Nowadays everybody has that, you know, <laughs> well, they got the iPads in the dugout. Those yeah. wouldn't have lasted long in my era. <laughs> Tossed, thrown out. <laughs> oh God. Broken. Yeah. Busted. Is that's fun. John, is the modern day pro, are they grinders or is it, I mean, everybody's talented to make it to that level of any pro sport, like everybody has talent, but then are the guys that are like, have that natural talent, but they're also just like gritty grinder, you know, they, they play the game. Like those are the ones that even can separate themselves now at the highest level. Like in your opinion, how do you separate yourself now as a modern day pro? Like what is, what's the superstars do a little bit different than like your rank and file pro athlete? Well, I know. Uh, you know, the Phillies guys, they, they hit early every day. I mean, and I don't know how they do it. Um, Cause I like, like, like right now I have trouble closing my hands cause I hit so much. Mm -hmm. These guys hit so much more than we did. And I, I, I think the biggest difference, uh, you know, we hit, we did, we didn't have all the, you know, the computer stuff and, uh, you know, tendencies of the pitcher, like he'll throw his slider 60% of the time. Okay. Yeah. But 40% of the time he's not. So how can you just look for one pitch, whatever, uh, you know, stuff like that. But, um, you know, those guys hit every day and I don't know how they do it, but, but, you know, a lot of these guys came up through this travel ball era where they played practice every day. They get lessons every, every other day. They play tournaments every weekend somewhere. They're traveling somewhere to play in a tournament. You know, I was never, uh, I mean, if I had to play baseball that much, I wouldn't have played because yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, I just wanted to play. And, yeah. you know, when I got to the minor leagues and all of a sudden you're getting this, you know, more, more structured practices and stuff. That's what I didn't like. Mm -hmm. I, 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 God, I hated it. Like outfielders, we're going to work on this drill, this drill, this drill. I like whatever happened to just catching it, throwing it to <laughs> the right it. base. Yeah. yeah. You know, oh my God, we did drills and like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can see that, man. I can see, yeah, the monotony of just drilling instead of just playing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, maybe and probably maybe better uh science around body recovery, ice baths, like you know, Cairo oh. massages, all the things oh, they, now that the that the they, modern they, pro has. They check their uh, they have to wear a thing and they check how they sleep every night, what REM or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't know sure. What, they get that checked every day. I know there's one team that counts the steps every day of every player. Wow. And so if a guy like I'll give you an example, uh I forget what ballpark it is, but from the third base dugout to right field, it's the longest run in the in Major League Baseball. Hmm. Well, it happened that day that that right fielder had three hits, one of them being a triple. And the next day, the, he was told by the performance coach, which every team has a performance coach, mm -hmm. which I'm sure 
we would have gotten along splendidly. Uh, <laughs> probably not, but um, they said he had too many steps and he had to take the day off the next day. I'm like, wait a second. If I'd have had three hits yeah. and the next day I'm not playing, because I, isn't that the object of the game is to yeah. you know, the more you run, you either either a you're playing in a position where your pitchers stink, yeah. you know, and you're having to run too much, or b uh, you're getting you're getting on base, you're running around the bases. I thought that was the object of the game. The whole point. You're trying to touch home plate more than the other team, right? Yeah. 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 And now they're going to tell a guy, you know, hey, you had three hits, you had to run, and, you know, we need to get you off your legs for a day. Uh, I'm like, uh, workload now. <laughs> yeah, workload, like, oh, yeah. dear Lord. Yeah, load funny. management. Yeah, it's a big yeah. problem in basketball, right? Like the pro, you know, load management, you see, you know, yeah. guys take yeah. off. Some people, like, flat out don't believe in it. Some people, like, some teams will bench, you know, bench their players to optimize but, but them. That, but that's what I don't understand. Like, Michael Jordan, I think, you know, pretty much every year he played, he'd average, you know, between 80, 80, 81 games. Well, they only play 82 and then the playoffs. Yeah, but, you know, these guys now, like, how come now it's different? What yeah. what changed conditioning-wise to know that, well, you know, it didn't affect Michael Jordan, didn't affect Scottie Pippen, it didn't affect, you know, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, all those players, it never affected them. They played pretty much every day. I, I just mm -hmm. don't understand what, why this, First of all, if someone told me, no, you can't play because we need to get you off your feet. Oh, God. I, I'd have had to get, yeah. I would have had to we, play for every team. Yeah. I, they, would, they would have <laughs> traded me in a heartbeat. I think it's funny. We were just talking about this with another person in another kind of context. But our humans like quest for optimization, for efficiency with yeah. maximum Perfection. ROI in that world, nuance, artistic, and, you know, the beauty of situations tend to die out. Like in our ever quest to be more efficient, more profitable, more optimized, like it makes sense that if everything in business and sports, when you lean that way, what, what gets taken away, like the artistry, the charisma, yeah. the beauty of the situation, a game, a, a new, like a way to do business. So like, the perfect blend is probably both, but if you lean too far on that scale of like getting squeezing the juice out of it, then you start noticing like, well, damn, this isn't fun, man. This is not even like cool to play or there's no chemistry on this team, like that sort of thing. So yeah. I think you can, I think you can see that in business and life and sports and all of that. And maybe it's most on display with sports because it's like a microcosm of life maybe. So we kind of can watch it almost in a very theatrical way like culture kind of play out in a very physical way right in front of us. And we can notice yeah. that as a society. Just let them play. Yeah. Right. Just let them play. play. Like, that should be a, so, that's a slogan right there. It's a let them play. So let play. <laughs> Larry Paula, who played for the Phillies, he managed me in San Diego, might be the most competitive human being I've ever met. And we were talking uh, a couple of years ago about, you know, because we watch these videos of Little League, you know, they people posting where parents are, yelling at the umpire every pit. And so I told him, I said, you know, you want, you know why the kids are yelling and screaming at the umpires. Right. And, and they, you know, questioning every call and, and then they get older and it gets worse because their parents do. So they see their parents yelling at the umpire. They feel like it's okay. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. Like you, like you watch basketball now and players complained in every year. I'm not, but it's like every time down the court, someone's complaining about something. Uh, right. you know, I, I, you know, 
Larry, but Larry, Larry Bowen and I were talking about this and he said, they should, we should start a little league where you sign up, but you're not on a specific team. So you're not playing with your buddies every day. Yeah. You're on the yeah. same team and you can, you know, you build teams like superpower little league teams. Like, you know, we're, you know, well, I'm little Johnny's best friend. So I want to play on his team. And, you know, you, next thing you know, you got the six best kids in little league and in, in that area playing on the same team. Yeah. Well, you can't, other teams can't win. No, you know, it's just the way it is. But Larry Butler said to have kids sign up and then ha ha every game they play, we pick teams. Randomized. So they're going to, they're, every they're going to be playing, yeah. but, but it, 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 it'll make them better teammates because they're playing with a different group of kids every true. week. True. And so they have to be good teammates and they have to pull for kids that they don't know. And that's the way, you know, when I got to the, to the minor leagues and in the big leagues, you know, we, we cheered our guys on and we wanted our guys to be successful. Like even guys I was competing with in the minor leagues for playing time in the outfield. I didn't want to see them fail, but they were my teammates. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, now you hear parents like, oh, why is he playing? He, he went over four yesterday. He can't play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. He's, I know. He's, I know. He stinks. Well, you know, well, maybe the next day he's going to go three for four, two homers and drive yeah. in four or five runs. How do you know he's not? He's, yeah. Yes. I, I, I I'll tell you this, but I think parents are ruining sports for kids. Yeah. Because kids are. aren't allowed to kids aren't allowed to have fun doing it anymore. Or make mistakes. You know, you, you they, have they're to, getting ridiculed you, too much. Yeah, you have to go to division one. You have to do like my my daughter, uh, she was uh, a volleyball player and she just graduated high school and she had some division one schools and division two schools. She went up to Barry College in Georgia and and division three and fell in love with it. But isn't that more important? Yeah, mm -hmm. going to a place you feel very comfortable in, um, you know, a, a competitive volleyball team, and they let her take nursing. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of Division One schools wouldn't let her take nursing, and you know, she had kids on her team. Like, you know, why are you going to D three? You D three? You know, you could play Division One. She goes, I, you know, I'm going somewhere where I'm happy. And at the end of the day. You know, I played four years in college. What's what's there for me afterwards? There's no real beach pro league that she's going to make millions of dollars. No. She, no. she she picked a school that she wanted to go to. She picked a school where she felt comfortable. And she picked a school that she's going to be happy. You're checking all the boxes. Exactly. John, this has been way, this has been amazing. And you are, uh, you know, an asset that needs to be, protected at all times you're a true gym you're a legend and you are a, a real ambassador for the state of west virginia man we appreciate you so much for coming on with us thank you